0: Welcome to Improv Insider. Uh, My guest today is Peter Led, who's put on countless shows over the last three or four years, and we're gonna be talking about producing your own show, basically, give or take, and talking about a number of other things that Peter may have done. So welcome, Peter. Thank you. Why don't you start off by just giving us a
1: bit of a history or a background? Sure. Um, Aside from doing a little bit of drama in high school, I wasn't really that theatrical. I think uh, my introduction to theater sports games, probably Space Jump in year nine drama, um, which I wasn't really a huge fan of at the time, as I think most people aren't of Space Jump. And when I, oh, just before I got to uni, my sister uh, had spent a year in the States and came back and told us about whose line is it anyway. And, uh, you know, we saw a couple of episodes on Foxtail or something and went, hey, this is really cool, got into that. And then I got to uni and uh, tried to get into the drama society shows and couldn't because drama societies are kind of known for being cliquey Um, but they were holding a theater sports workshop so i went along to that and uh learned improv i was taught by lynn pierce and adam cooper and then started performing in the uni bar once a week i think it was monday night finishing just in time for south park and then gradually did a few more courses and you know graduated the, the second level course and started playing what was then, was it Scared Scriptless was it the Gong Show? The Gong Show, the gong show yeah. yeah. So I played that for a few years. And then um, I was in uni, you know, I was playing in a band and all that kind of stuff. So I kind of stopped doing improv for a while, concentrated on music. Um, I didn't really give it much more thought until I think the last year of my degree a friend of mine uh, wanted to put on improv and he got me involved and we started doing it in the bar again once a week and that kind of got me back into the scene and I you know, contacted Impro Australia and got back involved and started doing shows there. I did that for a few years and uh, as you will uh, be able to understand Richard after doing a few years of theatre sports shows you kind of get itching to do more. Mm. Um, and heard about uh, different forms of improv, which I didn't actually know existed until you know, people started talking about it. Uh, and Josie O'Reilly told us about Boom Chicago and the types of shows they used to do there, which were a hybrid of uh, sketch and improv and in between and things like that. And so... How did you come in touch with, with Josie? Uh, we were doing a... Well, I guess we were doing a hybrid show which uh, at Uni of New South Wales, which they were taking down to the Melbourne Comedy Festival. And uh, they asked, well, I auditioned to be in the cast and I was in the cast, but as part of that, they asked me to be their improv coach, given that uh, of the cast of, I think it was nine people, only three or four of us had done improv before, which is a bit of a huge ask to get people yeah. to do, uh, yeah. yeah, in a short space of time, while writing and rehearsing sketches yeah, and right. songs and whatnot. So I got Josie in to, uh, to do a you know, a guest rehearsal, guest workshop. And, yeah, she started telling us all about Vim Chicago and the way they would do things there and have sketches, have straight improv, have in-between, so you've kind of got the beats worked out and then improvising it as you go. And uh, fascinated me and uh, fascinated Kira, who uh, is now my business partner in Twisted Melon. so we did that improv show, that sketch improv hybrid show. Was Kira involved in, at that point? Or? Uh, in, she was in the show as well. Right, okay. Wow. Uh, and Kira and I knew each other, well I guess maybe I have to skip back a year, hmm. uh, to the Cranston Cup, which is, uh, yeah. for those of you listening who aren't from Sydney, Cranston Cup is the the big theatre sports competition that they have every year in Sydney. Uh, it's a fairly big deal for people in Sydney theatre sports. Everyone wants to be a part of it and uh, play because you get to play on the good stages as part of the competition. And uh, up and it's coming It's kind of people. like the end goal, isn't it? For yeah, improvisers. Yeah, end goal kind of being uh, <laughs> what we will discuss more <laughs> throughout this podcast. Yeah. Um, dead end, perhaps. <laughs> um, so I had played uh, Scared Scriptless, as it was then, which is kind of the, the training show, the, upper, the the junior show, I guess, the weekly, um, Richard, can you? Yeah, remember?
0: the weekly training theatre sports show run by Impro Australia, which is the big organisation here in Sydney. Um, and it's sort of like the next step after the training courses and you sort of go into that and
1: head off into various other places once you've gone through a scriptless kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I had played uh, with Kira once in that show Um, a few months before, you know, the the call for teams for Cranston Cup came up uh, and got a a message from her asking if I wanted to play with them in a team, with her and Susie and Ryan, and we did. Um, And we had to come up with a team name. And the story goes that Kira woke up one morning and started writing down ideas for team names. And she had a list of about about 20, all of which were terrible except one, which was Melon of Troy. Which became our team name, and uh, which then our company, drawing from that, became Twisted Melon. You guys played uh, the the Cranston qualifiers at Scripless. Yeah. Uh,
0: the very first night, we ended up at the Clarence Hotel. We just moved to the Clarence Hotel, and it's still the biggest night that we ever had at that place when you guys played. Um, Mainly because you had uh, about 150 people
1: that you brought yes, well, um, for the uh, audience.
0: So it was whenever like a, you
1: play in a team with Susie Yusuf, uh, yeah. or at least back in the day, <clears throat> certainly, uh, you could almost guarantee the Yusuf clan coming along, which was always good for numbers and good yeah. for team. Yeah.
0: Um, so, so that was it. Th- it was sort of like a, a legend, the whole melons thing, didn't it? I don't know if you felt it from the inside, but it built into this big, maybe it was it <laughs> it wasn't as big as it seemed to be but um, it felt huge
1: for us yeah uh, and going
0: through Scrippus and then playing uh, the main stage at Belvoir yeah um, and then uh, you know going on to the, the grand final as well
1: yeah um, and we didn't come last in the grand final which we're happy about no you about. didn't it was 5th or something yeah. we uh, came 5th I shouldn't think. have said that actually 5th <laughs> out of 6th <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know for the oh, um, up and coming team that's, that's not fantastic bad fantastic
0: effort um, yeah especially for Suzy and Kira I mean you'd done a lot of improv before that yeah um
1: but for those guys who are just starting off. Yeah, that was, I think, their first year of playing, so, yeah. you know, natural improvisers, yeah. I suppose. And um, neither have looked back, so... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting, and I'll just quickly talk about this yeah, now, because I think it's going to lead into what we're going to talk about, is um, during, during the Cranston, we were constantly challenging ourselves with coming up with new games that we'd never played before uh, and, you know, pulling them out, even though we had really no real idea how to play them. We jammed them a couple of times. Uh, And we even did that during the grand final. We pulled out a game that we'd never played before on stage, which was uh, Murder Endowments. And the game goes for about three minutes, and the idea is that it's hilarious as they get it wrong, uh, you know, all the terrible guesses they make. And we solved it in about 45 seconds, I think. And so we were there going, well, normally the game would end now, but we're just kind of... At the beginning of it so we kind of bluffed our way, our way to an ending with a, a terrible gag about uh flying virgin airlines and yeah that was it but the point is that we <laughs> <laughs> we're going to edit out all of the yeah, yeah, pointless sure. stories Don't right worry. yeah so i'll just put a point in at the Go end tools is my friend excellent yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah the point is we kept on taking risks as we went because we weren't content just uh playing the usual games the usual way yeah um that took me up to kind of the end of my straight theatre sports career. Um, yeah, then the fo- then yeah the following year, Kira and I did this show with Uni of New South Wales. Okay, we'll talk about that in a second. Um,
0: one of the things that's always um, that I've noticed about you, and, I, and the first time I saw it was probably when uh, Belvoir and you guys were supposed. I don't know what the scene was, but you came straight out and started doing drumming. I think it was. Yeah, um, and. It was like with an in- instant of the suggestion or whatever it was bam straight out there and that's that's one of the things um i associate with you an absolute fearlessness of um anything in a scene any type of character but also w- like the shows you put on as well mm. uh, yeah it just bam you're just there do you feel that is something that you've worked on or is it just the way you are or
1: um that might come... because it's
0: one of those big things that you know upcoming improvisers have they they have this fear, you know, and, right. and it's not just stage fright, it's the fear of doing something wrong or right. um, not trusting yourself. Um, we're not really going to talk about improv skills, but
1: just... Yeah, uh, there's probably two reasons for that. Uh, now, uh, I kind of have a conscious freedom to fail that, uh, you know, we yeah. learned through reading Mick Napier and things like that. Um, improviser from Chicago, New York is uh, give yourself the freedom to fail, so you can go out there, try something. Especially with improv, it's disposable. If you do a three-minute scene and it sucks, just doesn't matter. You're going to get yeah. up and do another one in you know, the next scene or in half an hour, depending on which show you're in. Um, but I think originally, back then, that was before I, I kind of knew that philosophy, and it was more about something that I learned through uni, where you'd play uh, games like World's Worst or something, uh, which is where everyone stands in a line, they have to come up with basically one line as jokes. And uh, I kind of took it upon myself to to go first or to jump in when no one else had anything as a way of giving other people time to think. So I was kind of like <laughs> taking one for the team, like you oh, get the you're suggestion. A man, yeah. yeah, so I'll jump out, say something which, you know, is basically filler. And if it's entertaining, yeah. that's good too. Yeah. So maybe that's where that yeah, came right. from. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so then we went. We uh, went to the the uni show. Yeah. So we did you the uni through. show, which yeah. was a, a hybrid show, um, sketch and improv, and Kira and I. What was that called? It was called Insert Comedy Two. All oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it was done that. at University yeah. of New South Wales uh, through Studio Four, which is their comedy and improv society, and then we took it down to the Melbourne Comedy Festival. And. Kira and I really enjoyed uh, working together in that and some of the things that we did. But overall, as an experience, we probably didn't have the most positive uh, time, most positive experience. It was full on and uh, you know, not always rewarding. But we decided after that, well, we enjoyed the idea of an, a hybrid show, Improv and Sketch, uh, and we enjoyed working together, so we should put on our, put on our own show. So we uh, put in an application to what was then the Cracker Comedy Festival. I think that was the first or second year that it was on. We we heard there was this new comedy festival in Sydney. So we put in an application to do a show, which uh, you know, being improvisers, we just put a name to, didn't matter what it was called. So we called it Barrel of Monkeys. Um, And yeah, we got a cast together and did a hybrid show. So that was with um, Giles Hardy and yep. John Williams. John Williams, um, Susie Euthers. Susie was in as well, okay. And Matt Foster. Matt Foster. And Kira was in the cast and I was director. Yeah, okay. So. And that was um,
0: interesting because it was one of the first sketch-based shows, if not the, that actually used improv for devising the sketches. Is that yes. Right? yes, yeah. And that w- that was the intent of the show?
1: That was the intent. We, um, we... Now, when I, when I
0: say the first show, I mean, in, in Australia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah best yeah. ever.
1: Obviously. Yeah. My next sentence was going to blow that out of the water when I yeah. say we took the Second City approach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah we, we got a copy of the Second City Almanac, uh, which I can't remember the author, but it was basically a history of yeah. Second City and how they did things, including... Random just Lots pages of, of notes. Yeah, yeah, qu- notes, yeah, notes from shows and quotes and things like that. And at the back, I think they actually had a structure for it, a show, uh, as in, you know, you put your funniest stuff you know, here and you put your yeah, right. questionable stuff here yeah. and all that. Uh, so we basically got that and just, yeah, we had rehearsals where we just, someone would go, Hey, I had this idea about thing and we go, cool, let's improvise that. And we'd improvise it two or three times and then kind of get the ideas from that and either write it down or decide, hey, this is, you know, let's just kind of get the basic structure and we'll get up on stage mm-hmm. and improvise it. And then uh, we also did it the other way around. Some people, uh, John and Giles, uh, writers by trade, so they'd written sketch comedy. They brought in some of their sketches and we looked at them and went, this would make a good improv game. So taking the idea from here, so if the idea was, um, you know, using business analogies in a sporting sense or something like that, we go, well, that's what that sketch is. But let's take the idea, and we'll ask the audience okay. for the business and the sport or whatever, and we'll just improvise yeah. the sketch. So. Hmm. And it, and it turned out alright, the, the show? The show turned out really well. We were really happy with it. A lot
0: of, you played a lot of places, didn't you? I mean...
1: We did. We played for the uh, the Comedy Festival and then we put it on again at Uni of New South Wales and then we turned it into a corporate show that we pitched but never actually did a show oh, okay. of, I think. Although uh, I think about two years later we got an inquiry to put on Barrel of Monkeys. Right. By then the cast had all moved on to yeah, sure. other things. So. Yeah. OK, good. And. Um, uh, was the experience what you were you were hoping? We learned a lot from the experience. Uh, in terms of was it what we were hoping, yes, in that what we wanted to do was put on a new type of show. We mm. wanted to put on a, a sketch-type show with improv in it. So in that sense, yeah, it was what we mm. wanted to do. Um, we enjoyed working with everyone, and we had a great time doing it. Um, and I think this is, uh, you know, during that process, we were reading improv books, so uh, uh, Mick Napier's book, Improvise, yeah. and you know, The Second City Almanac. And uh, I guess that was the first time we really put into practice the freedom to fail. We thought, we'll put on a show, we've never done it before, we've never seen anything like this in Sydney before, uh, if it fails, then, you know, there's uh, a reason why it's never been. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and never will be again. Um, but it worked, so that yeah. was good, it yeah. gave us confidence. and. Uh, yeah, so yeah. that that was a co-production. Uh, I should mention with Impro Australia, the the main reason being that uh, insurance, yeah. public liability insurance, which is quite expensive, and uh, you need it. we at least for that uh, festival, we needed it, and we couldn't yeah. afford it. So we did a, organise a co-production with Impro Australia, um, which was a huge start to us, and uh, kind of has helped influence our philosophy moving forward in what way uh in the sense that we when we were starting out we didn't have much support but the support that we had we really appreciated so we had you know josie telling us about boom chicago and got some great ideas from there and uh we had Impro australia supporting us by letting us use their their insurance and their infrastructure uh but otherwise we were kind of going it on our own and as we've moved forward we've taken a the approach of helping other people that are in the position we were in uh, by offering them our advice, in some cases doing a co-production with them so they could use our insurance Mm -hmm. and infrastructure. So, uh, yeah, it's now, and as you know, Richard, we haven't done a show in about a year, year and a half uh, that we've produced, Um, but I'm still, as much as I can, trying to help people who are in the position we were in by supporting them, giving them advice, uh, things Mm -hmm. like that. Okay, we, we will talk about that a bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, so that moves us on to The Herald. Earlier. Yep. yep. Uh, so after we did Barrel of Monkeys, or actually just before we did Barrel of Monkeys, Cale uh, Bain moved to Sydney from Canada, from, I want to say Toronto. So we started talking to him, and he was keen to do more of the improv he, he was used to, so he talked to us about The Herald, um, which anyone from outside Australia listening to this probably knows about, but it's uh, an improv format slash philosophy slash name. uh, created community. Slash community slash, slash, you know, I think I've heard the quote, Harold Eats Everything. Yeah, um, uh, Created by Del Close and uh, Shana Halpern and others. So he started talking to us about all that and he he thought uh, we should start by getting a group of people together and teaching them uh, Long form skills, and uh, his vehicle for doing that was teaching us a structured Harold. Um, we could get into the philosophy of Harold no. and structured. version no, will okay. just say he taught yeah. us a structured version of the Harold, yeah. where you had an opening, three scenes, etc., etc. And uh, so we had, I think, two or three groups go through a training program with Kale. Uh, learning about the Harold and then we put on a few Harold shows which I know, you were there for, for our very first one. Oh, I was. The what one did at you? New South Wales Uni I believe That's was, correct. Yeah. Again. Um, which was,
0: was it? it was not a bad show. It was alright. It was not right. a bad show. Um, for the first Sydney Harold. Um, but the interesting thing about the Harold thing um, is it then like disappeared pretty much. <laughs> That's
1: right. <laughs> Unlike anywhere else in the world really. That's uh, right. Uh, have, have you any speculation as to why? Uh, it wasn't us, uh, surely it wasn't yeah, no, us. No,
0: no, surely not, surely not. It well, was a decent show. Well, I, I've got my own theory, but I'm not interviewing me. Well,
1: you can tell me your theory and then I'll respond. Okay.
0: Um, I just don't think there's enough players. I think, I think the Herald is a community and to itself. Hmm. That the people who mainly, well, mostly watch Herald are other Herald people. Hmm, um, as an appreciation of the form, I think. Uh, it's hard to know being out here yes that um call all yeah, right yeah.
1: you know if you're in another part of the world and you have an answer <laughs> but um
0: yeah uh and, and also maybe you know i don't know maybe, maybe the players who went through those courses didn't feel it was something they wanted to do i mean again we have mentioned that sydney is is so theater sports heavy mm. um well when we say heavy it's really the only thing and then every now and again with your shows or more recently um long form will pop up again mm. But it's a uh, it's, it's a theatre sports town.
1: So, well, I, I think it's changing yeah. slowly. There are there are certainly a lot of shows on at the moment, and uh, they're not all short form, and uh, certainly not all theatre sports. And that's that's a good thing. I think that's something we set out to influence or change when we started Twisted yeah. Melon.
0: So. So then we move on to like there's no tomorrow.
1: Yeah. So following on from the Harold, because <laughs> the Harold was so, successful. Yeah, so brief. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Building on the success of the Harold and trading on our name yeah. from that one or two shows that we did. Actually, it's interesting. Uh, I've heard, also heard that uh, the improvisers talking to other improvisers. At the end of a show if they didn't really enjoy the show they'll say that was an interesting format and i think one of the guys from new south commented that at the end of the herald so building on that success um we wanted to put on a show which was one long story um, improvised let's just say an improvised play or an hour of improv without constant interruptions asking the Mm. audience for suggestions. Or a whistle. Or a whistle. Or Or a guy going, five, four. That's right, or a host, (laughs) or uh, judges. So so, um, we had the idea, and this is where the the name came from, of like, there's no tomorrow, of uh, what if this was the last day of your life and what would you do? And we thought we'd create a bunch of characters and one of them would be dying tomorrow and we'd see the last day of their life. And uh, what, having no limits, would uh, or no, no restrictions on you would do to a character. Um, so we got a, a cast, a troop together to rehearse that and jam it out. Again, we we put in a proposal and booked uh, a theatre. We booked the old Fitzroy Theatre in Woolloomooloo, which is a fantastic space, uh, and then gave ourselves the six weeks or whatever to come up with the show, which I think is a great way of doing it. You can rehearse forever and never put on a show, or you can say you're putting on a show and rehearse like buggery and uh, do it. So we rehearsed the show. That was uh, Kale Bain, Toby Trustlove. Susie Yusuf, Amanda Buckley, Kira, and myself. And this was the first time that I was uh, I was co-director in this case, but I was directing and playing and producing. Uh, don't do it. We can talk about that more later yeah, when you cool. talk about people putting on new shows. But uh, in in rehearsing the show, I and mean, we had to learn all sorts of new things. You know, I was looking up different formats uh, from the states and from Canada. Things like you know five, four, three, two, one, and uh, Le Rond. Um, Or things like that, and we were just jamming the various things. We had this premise in mind, but as we jammed, we kind of realised, well, putting all these restrictions on ourselves uh, is not going to produce the kind of show that we really want. So, you know, we jammed on a bunch of formats, and we found that we really enjoyed La Ronde, which is where you get, you know, character A and character B do a scene, you tag out character A, then character B and character C do a scene, Uh, So you get to see two sides of each character, you go all the way around, and then after that it was a free-for-all. And that was basically the format that we decided on in terms... We had started off with this structured idea and this structured format and decided that the looser we have it, the more fun we'll have. So that was it, and we we had this other device, which is when we step on this... We had a little square of carpet. This was kind of like the inner monologue square, and we'd, we'd get a spotlight on the people there and we could talk about What was going through the character, which it probably didn't add a lot to the character or the show or the narrative, Mm. but it was really fun uh, just (laughs) to step onto that spot and just you know dump something on someone or or just make gags or whatever. Um, So we did that show, and I had read when I was reading about long form, I read that when you get to the end of a you know a short form piece or a scene, people applaud and you know you get scores and that's cool. But when you get to the end of a long-form show, you know, an hour narrative, the audience erupts like it's the end of a football game or the end of a concert. And I felt that, that first night that we did that show, I, we were so nervous, but... Uh, and again, I was the first one out, we got the suggestion and I started the show. Yeah. Um, now that you pointed out. Yeah. <laughs> you may not have even noticed. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the audience reaction at the end of that show was amazing and it was everything that I had wanted uh, and had expected from, you know, doing this long form show. And it was just, it was amazing. Yeah. The Laurent is, is a lot
0: of fun. Mm. Um, I, haven't, I haven't performed it in a show, but I've done it a lot in rehearsal. And it's, yeah, it's, it's good for bringing the character. It was originally a um, uh, just a jamming, I believe.
1: All oh, right. Um, so I'm not sure how often it's been performed, but. Uh, okay. Yeah. I wondered if it was uh, from a from a book or a movie or something, you know, in the way that Spoon River. Yeah. Well, it's it's. I think it's based from on a film.
0: Right. Um, where a number of different characters have sex, sexual liaisons. And the oh. crossover is how many people sleep with, we sleep, we sleep, we sleep, we sleep with, sleep with, sleep with, sleep with.
1: Right. Of that um, actually, I don't know if it's just like a subconscious thing. That happened a lot in uh, Like <laughs> There's No Tomorrow. Um, the Old Fitz Theatre the has... The actors or the characters? Uh, I'll say the characters. The characters. Yeah, thing. the characters. Um, the Old Fitz Theatre, uh, you know, because we were there on Sunday nights, you perform on whatever set is there. Um, and they had kind of corrugated iron uh backing at the you know flats at the back of the set with the the doorways in and there were the I think there was every show or if not every show just about every show uh were people behind the corrugated iron banging on the walls you know while other people were trying to do a scene on stage uh again probably didn't help the narrative a lot but it was a lot of fun so and you gotta have fun yeah Okay,
0: so uh, then we moved on from there to, my dates are telling me that there were Harold workshops, but you guys were jamming uh, Like There's No Tomorrow, roughly around the same time, and then the Harold show sort of came out, so that sort of ended up in the middle there. So you're doing a lot of stuff.
1: Yeah, we were were doing a lot of stuff. In fact, I think... uh, A lot of corporates too, I believe, or at least some. Yeah, we did some corporates. I I was gonna say, I think we were rehearsing uh, in one room, uh, while the Howard workshops were going on in the other room at yeah, some, right. some nights. So, yeah, you're right. Mm. Uh, yeah, corporate work, which is. Um soul-destroying but lucrative Uh, because we had Barrel of Monkeys we thought this is a good corporate show so we we put it out there as you know we can do uh, improv for your corporate entertainment and team building and things like that I think it was actually at University of Sydney we started doing uh, some interactive role plays and team building activities And that actually, we got really lucky, that took off. And we got a few, quite a few corporate gigs, and we got a a very lucrative uh, advertising uh, campaign that uh, we were doing viral videos on the internet for uh, an internet company, which we had heaps of fun, where there was, uh, most of the cast of Like There's No Tomorrow, we were having heaps of fun with and then uh, it was in post-production and they'd edited it all and it was ready to release and then there was a changeover in management at the uh, American headquarters of this large internet company and uh, they pulled it. So we got paid but uh, we thought this was going to be the launching of improv as uh, a video yeah. technique you know like like we did yeah. with Battle of monkeys we were using improv to write sketches this was yeah. improv to write commercials and uh, you know in the sense that curb your enthusiasm and spinal tap and yeah. things like that have come from improv but they canned it so uh, we never got our our big break in the advertising world um, i'm guessing you didn't get the Final videos, either. No, no. Yeah. We asked for them. We were told we weren't allowed to get a copy of them because I thought they're viral. We could just release them ourselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're right. But we never actually even got to see them. Uh, if you're out there and you have a copy, I would love I to see them. Yeah, but yeah. So we did corporate. Um, I didn't do many. I think I, I mean, aside from the uh, the ad campaign, I think I only did one or two of our corporate shows. Um, uh, because A, because I was working full-time, but B, because they weren't very rewarding. We, yeah. we took the approach that people are paying us a lot of money to do this, so we need to do a safe show. Uh, so we reverted to short form, um, you know, involve the audience, yeah. do the, the same old gags. We sold ourselves. Uh, well, I sold other people's souls, yeah, so, you know, I came out on better. top. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and we wanted to do something daring and, you know, like a long-form show or a Harold or something. Well, Harold is long-form, you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, but I think we just didn't have the guts. I think when you put that many zeros at the end of a number, yeah. you you lose okay. your freedom to fail just yeah. just that a just lot. A bit, yeah. yeah. So we we did corporate shows, but we weren't. We stopped chasing. Kira and I thought uh, part of Twisted Melon's business plan was that after two years or something, one of us would be able to quit our jobs and do Twisted Melon full time, and uh, you know set up corporate gigs and do corporate gigs. We, after a year of doing corporate shows as well as doing all our other shows, uh, we decided that they weren't rewarding enough for us to do it that's not what we wanted to do improv was something we loved doing and we didn't want to do a we a we didn't want to do improv that we didn't love and b we didn't want to make something that we love uh our job that yeah i was going to say there's that that old adage don't make your
0: interest your career Mm. yeah so Um, i think that was a good decision yeah okay good uh and then we have blank Blank the Musical, which we'll sort of just power through, I think, at this point. Yep. (laughs) Well, Blank the Musical... Some of the more interesting
1: stuff is coming. Yeah, Blank the Musical and, at the same time, the Improv Festival. Yeah. Uh, I do want to talk about that in a little more detail. Yeah, Yeah. cool. We have a history, or I have a history, of uh, taking on many projects at once. This is another example. Uh, Sydney's first Improv Festival and... uh, Well, okay, we'll talk about Blank first. Um, I... I don't come up with new ideas for shows. I think I take existing ideas that interest me. Um, but our, our friend and improv uh, a colleague, Tim Judge, had an idea that he wanted to do a long form, improvised Broadway-style musical.
0: Hmm. Which I believe
1: he and um,
0: Adam had honed at Sydney Uni Theatre Sports quite a few years back. Apparently.
1: OK. Yeah, I, yeah, I, well, I know... He always that...
0: wanted to make that into a longer thing.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think... Uh, Good memory. I think they, uh, yeah, they had ideas for musical. I think they played musical as a game. Yeah, um, and they wanted to do um, a longer version. Um, So, given that we had our public liability insurance and we were building a name for ourselves, we kind of said, sure, we'll produce that Uh, or co produce that. Tim created his own company so that, you know, it was a co production. Uh, Got a cast together, rehearsed it, booked it, put it on. Same old story and yeah it was a lot of fun, yeah. uh, it was a, a huge learning experience for all of us uh, in terms of you know musicals, singing, yeah. dancing, story, all that, and it was the same kind of thing of you know we jammed a bunch of formats and then decided the looser the format the better yeah. so we had an opening and then from there anything would happen and uh that show is what was that 2006 i want to say uh
0: january 2007 i believe was the first
1: one right that was around yeah. the time of the festival the, the festival yeah. yes uh and so it's now 2010 and we're talking about doing more blank the musicals so that's a show mm. that's just kind of it's a fun show it just Ticks away in the background it keeps, it really? yeah every
0: couple of months one, one suddenly pops up yeah. yeah
1: so uh and it's the kind of thing where it's actually become now anyone can just kind of go Hey, someone wants us to do it there, let's all do it and then we'll just kinda of go, alright, I'm available and it just kinda yeah. of, kinda of keeps on rolling. It's nice. Yeah. <laughs>